0: In this episode of the Unfold the Soul, Bless His Heart Leadership Podcast, I have a day that has me questioning why and all the hell am I starting leadership workshops? Girl, he reads from these journals he kept when he was a principal, uncut and uncensored, putting all his business in the street. The podcast, Bless His Heart, the name, Ken Williams. It's 10.31 in the morning, and I've already got a pound of a headache. I'm being tested. This school is a chaotic mess. I've got as many adult behavior referrals to address as student referrals, literally. Students were loud at town meeting today. One class had a presentation, and it sucked. The presentation reflected the general atmosphere in the classroom, and this teacher happened to be 25 minutes late this morning, disorganized, no classroom management. But a so called desire to be a good teacher. I also found out that two of my custodians got a request to join several staff members at Buffalo's restaurant after school for some wings and beer. I thought it a nice gesture, except it was four o'clock and both custodians were still on the clock. Rumor has it that while they were drinking beer, my AP, who was also invited, ran into them. Unreal. I've got a parapro who was late as hell today, make that two of them, and one of my fifth grade teachers left no subplans in a class that needs structure more than any other. Now my question is, why in the hell should I be doing a leadership workshop at this time? Baby, let's unpack this one. Damn, this podcast just humbles me and has unintended, wonderful consequences. It has just made me more grounded as a school coach, a leadership coach, because not that I ever, ever thought or ever communicated that my journey was easy, but there's no way to remember every detail unless you journal it. And this one just takes me back to Man, oh man. First of all, it helps me understand when I work with schools and work with leaders and they're working themselves out of being that school or out of a chaotic or toxic environment. And at the same time, there's not a whole lot of anything else going on in terms of um, offerings or um, things that are incentive-laden or, you know what I mean? Like I've, I've been to schools where the, the leadership is has got a, a, a nostril, not two nostrils, but a nostril above water just trying to keep this thing afloat and managing the chaos like they're playing whack-a-mole. And so I understand why there aren't a bunch of you know clubs and um, uh, opportunities for students to become more immersed in the culture. You know, the, the, the kinds of offerings that, that build culture, like, you know, opportunities for community service. And, you know, we had an accelerated reader campaign going on and we had a boys mentoring program and eventually a girls mentoring program. And man, oh man, I understand why some principals look at me and say, um, this is just not the right time for that program or that initiative. We just got too much going on. We got all hell breaking loose. But the title of this this episode is The Discipline of Vision. And just to set context, just in case you're a a first-time listener, I started a leadership workshop, a series, I think, of seven leadership workshops after school, bought a book. We eventually went to a conference to see Maxwell and a host of other speakers. Um, present, but uh, we're doing this in, in the midst of being the worst performing school in the district, the worst performing district in the greater Atlanta area. It is, it's a certified shit show. So a day like this, absolutely. At the end of that journal entry, I asked out loud, why the hell would I be doing leadership workshops at this time? I mean, I was not exaggerating when I said as many staff discipline referrals as student discipline referrals well being able to detach myself from it years later i can tell you this and why we continue to persist and why we i continue with the leadership uh, workshops and that is because of what vision represents visioning even though we bastardize it so many times in schools we just take the vision statement um you know, take a statement from the mission statement, shove the word vision in there, and we call it the vision statement. But we underutilize visioning. It's it's ridiculous. We, we laud it when athletes use it, when athletes talk about how they, you know, how Tiger Woods plays the entire round of golf in his head before he goes out there, how Larry Bird would, you know, see every shot before the game begins, and Michael Jordan and Wilma Rudolph and Serena Williams, like all these athletes, Martina Navratilova, they would just talk about the power of visioning and then bringing those results to pass. We don't utilize visioning that way, but I did. We did it at our school. Visioning was designed to paint a compelling picture of our, our ideal future, right? A compelling picture, almost one that's audacious. It sometimes it, it doesn't even make sense. That's the power of visioning because what makes sense is doing the arithmetic from where we were, which was the abyss. And while you're in the abyss and you're catching hell, it is tough to see past your current circumstances. And logical moves like, you know, we're gonna add this initiative and add this, it just, it feels like it's gonna take forever for things to change. That's part of the power of visioning. Because once you cast a compelling vision, right, and then you focus on it, Your next steps are gonna be informed and when you respond to it, it's almost like the vision pulls you forward and accelerates time. That's the power and purpose of vision. That's why I wanted to start leadership workshops in the midst of a first year of chaos at this school because I knew and we knew and we decided who we wanted to be, what we wanted to be, what we wanted to offer students and staff, parents and community moving forward. So that's the purpose of vision. So even though on this day, I'm questioning it, that's my lower self, my very human self, I eventually came back around and understood that we have to act as if today. We've got to act as if, like, this is not the time to stop doing leadership so I can focus more on staff and student referrals. I had to double down and really, really help us see past our current circumstances. Because if you stay locked into your current circumstances, it is next it's it's really an arduous task to move forward so visioning helps you act as if it helps you see this compelling future and we had a vision narrative not a vision statement but a vision narrative this this day in the life at our school that we wanted to bring to pass and on a day like this where you're catching hell all around you these are the days we get to sit back and take a few moments and really close your eyes and start picturing what that's gonna look like in the future because otherwise, you're gonna get dragged down, worn out, and completely, completely discouraged. The reason that visioning sounds audacious sometimes is because it taps into that part of the brain, the part of creativity that addition and subtraction cannot address. Again, addition and subtraction addresses when you're in the abyss and trying to figure out logically how to pull yourself out of it. And I'm telling you, it's beyond logic. It requires vision and action. So this was a day that tested the hell out of me. Ironically, I'm writing a book that will be released in August. And one of the principles of the book is momentum over mood rings. So this is a day where I was tempted to honor my mood ring and say, to hell with the leadership workshops. But in the end, I chose momentum. You know, addressing current issues, today's issues, the issues while we're in the abyss, while we're the worst performing school in the district, while we're a chaotic mess, the hot mess express, and keeping an eye on our compelling future and trying to till that soil and and nurture those seeds as well. So that is the lesson for you. If you're in a school wrought with challenges and sometimes it seems impossible to get out, you've got to engage in a visioning exercise. And, you know, I'm not shy about what my book offers. Starting a movement has a visioning process. I also do uh, really interactive, engaging, exciting, and effective visioning exercises with schools. So... If you're in that situation, you find yourself in the abyss. One, leaders, have you engaged your staff in a shared vision of a compelling future? Have you done that? Right? And then that's going to lead you to, like I said, acting as if it's going to compel you to honor momentum over mood rings. I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. It took me right back to my days in leadership. Thank you so much for listening and start with the crown. On the next episode of the Unfold the Soul, Bless His Heart Leadership Podcast, my leadership workshops have started. I'm pumped up about it and they begin with a resounding thud. As always, thank you for tuning in to this episode. Be sure to tune in for the next episode. Please share with a neighbor, friend, or colleague so they too can get a dose of this buttery baritone as I go through my leadership journey explain how I screwed things up and sometimes got a thing or two right. But in the end, here's the message I want to leave you with. No matter what's going on in your personal life or professional life, when you wake up on the right side of dirt, you playing with house money, baby. You playing with house money. You've been listening to the Unfold the Soul Bless His Heart podcast with Ken Williams. For more information about Ken, visit unfoldthesoul.com.